was a level headed dancer on the road to alcohol. And I was just a soldier on my way to Montreal. Where she pressed her chest against me about the time that you All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this special episode of From Here It's Potable. Um, we're doing a basketball preview episode. Um, we've got uh, at Tech Hoops Guy on Twitter, Hunter Davidson, um, and Brandon Solis here to help. Uh, we're going to go through the roster, answer some of your questions, and just get ready for what should be a, a really fun basketball season. So let's get started. Okay, first things first. Hunter, I, I know you're excited about the, the transfers and you wanted to, to, to get to those guys. And so, you know, I'm just, I just got the roster pulled up here. And number zero, first one up, Mac McClung. What do you got on him? Yeah, so McClung, and I won't draw a comparison just watching him. And I haven't watched a ton, maybe 20, 25 minutes, probably more than that, but not highlights, but like watching, you know, games right. from his freshman year and sophomore year. Uh, and he reminds me of Matt Mooney in in some in a specific way, and it seems counterintuitive. Mooney took a lot of shots at South Dakota, a yeah. lot of contested shots. He was the guy, you know. Pretty much everybody's looking to him as the clock's uh, winding down. He's the one that's got to make a play. And McClung had a similar role, except it was at Georgetown. You know, this is in the Big East. This is not. Um, the summit league uh, <laughs> in South Dakota. So yeah. that's impressive, you know, that he was playing that kind of a role, but the reason why I think, you know, when I watched Matt Mooney play, I thought this guy's going to fit, fit in really well in Beard's offense. And it's, um, you know, again, I think it's counterintuitive at first, but Beard um, has a methodical offense. You know, we, we go pr pretty slow. I think, you know, his theory is, he probably knows what he's talking about. Okay, it's Chris Beard. That if if you play, you know, um, patiently on offense, if you take shots that are like within the system, if you take expected shots, where meaning like the other four guys on the court, when a guy catches the ball in their mind, thinking that's that's a shot. You know, that shot's within our offense. It's probably going up. The guys yeah. that crash the, the boards, crash the boards. The guys that get back, get back, and it sets up a defense. If you're when, but if you're you know running down the floor and jacking up shots. It, it hurts your defense because people don't yeah. – it's, it's unexpected. Right. Well, a product of being so methodical and a product of playing in the Big 12 where people lock you up, they play really good defense, is, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes the you have to take a shot late that is a tough shot. And, and you know, people will get frustrated with our offense because it, sometimes it, it looks clunky, right, because we're playing slow, the other team's playing really good defense, and we're having to force up a shot. Well, when you think – so with Matt Mooney, my thinking with him was he's got a lot of experience taking contested shots when he has to do it, when everyone knows he's going to do it, when he doesn't have a lot of room, and he's got to go create something. And, you know, sure enough, like Final Four against Michigan State. And, That's what I was you know, thinking of. Yeah, you know, he made some big shots, and he done he spent a lot of time doing that. Well, I think you – know, I think I see some of that in McClung. He's a hero shot taker. You know, like if – I, I always kind of think of these players with like their pickup game, like archetype, you know, like the guys that just go to the park or the gym and he's the hero shot guy, you know, he's jacking up shots that are very difficult shots that everyone's kind of like groaning about. And that 
translates to Beard's offense uh, because there is not, you know, when, when you play for, I think, for, for Beard, you don't take a whole lot of bad shots because you'll find yourself on the bench pretty yeah. quickly. So, from, so I, I think he's going to be a good fit for, in, in that standpoint. He's uh, a freak athlete, obviously, you know, with yeah. some of the, the dunking stuff. But, but you, you see it in his numbers because for his size, he's got really good rebounding percentages. He can get to the free throw line a lot, which for his size is pretty impressive. And just watching him, like, you know, to the naked eye, can't, creates a lot of separation, like a lot more than guys that we watched last year, like, you know, maybe Ramsey. I mean, yeah. this guy, so from that standpoint, he just appeared and like a really, really good athlete. It's not, he's not going to look like Morrow, so to speak. Right. Um, I think, you know, people, his shooting numbers at Georgetown, I just want to throw him out the window because he was, he was a volume shooter. He was having to take a ton of shots off the dribble uh, and having to create a lot of these opportunities for himself. Whereas in, in Beard's offense, we, you know, we really do a good job of creating, you know, rhythm, kind of catch and shoot, open shots. And this guy can shoot now, okay? Uh, so you put him on, put him in our system, and if, if you've got other guys making plays around him, he's, gonna, he's suddenly going to be taking much higher percentage looks than he was at Georgetown. And I think his shooting numbers are going to go up quite a bit. I think he's going to be one of the best shooters on the team um, next year. Um, he, you know, just some, some random stuff, top two, top 250 in steal percentage. He's a great free throw shooter, uh, very low turnover percentage, which is impressive considering how high his usage was and how much of a, how much he was having to carry their offense. Um, one thing that kind of just to distinguish him from, from Ramsey last year is this guy can make two point shots. And, and Beard kind of calls him a finish shot. Yeah. Uh, and we struggled with that last year, big time. Finishing around the rim, especially like in the Big 12 when people get tall and athletic and are contesting everything. Uh, I, I really – I've searched Big East players since 2015 that are similar to him in like size and, and position and being a freshman. And there were only nine guys that shot as well as he did on two-point shots. Uh, in the Big East, I mean, there's some good, pretty good players. Yeah. So um, that tells me that he can kind of create for himself at, at a really high level, and that was as a freshman. Um, defense, you know, people talk about his defense. I was going to ask. Being I was going to ask if it was co- comparable to Mooney's, like his yeah. offense was. Well, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to be comparable to Mooney. Mooney has some serious, like, freak physical traits that yeah. are pretty obvious because he's you know, playing in the NBA now. But so I don't know about his measurements or anything. Hopefully, they're they're like Mooney. But I, you know, when you look at Georgetown, they actually played better defense when he was on the floor than when he was off last year. Not not by much, but three less points per 100 possessions with him on the floor versus off. Uh, there were 70 Big East players that defended 100 possessions. Last year, he, was, he allowed the 27th lowest field goal percentage. So, I mean, I mean 70 of the, of the most used defenders, and he's not even in the you know, bottom 50 percentile of them. So, it's kind of odd that he has this rap. Maybe it is true uh, that he maybe doesn't play as hard or doesn't play as good a defense as he should. I guarantee you he probably will with this staff. I mean, we, Mark Adams and Beard know a thing or two about defense. 
so with that and with his athleticism, he's probably got some tools that they know how to use. So I'm not, I'm not worried about uh, defense with him though. I think he can help us a lot. And, and by helping us, I think he can help Kyler Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. pick, the final four team was incredible pick and roll team. Yeah, Tariq was unbelievable at the lobs and going to the basket. Uh, Culver and, and Mooney were great uh, in the pick and roll. And we were terrible last year. And we had a great, we had a good offense last year, but this was not something we were, we were good at. Ramsey was not good at it. He wasn't good at scoring as like a pick and roll ball handler. He wasn't good at passing. Moretti yeah. was not good at it. Um, Kyler could not, wasn't very efficient scoring, uh, but he was a great passer probably because he was passing to Moretti and Ramsey, but, but he still was, uh, you know, very efficient uh, as like a pick and roll ball handler, but you need more than one. And uh, Matt McClung is, was really good at it at Georgetown. Yeah. Yeah. Passing and scoring. Uh, So, um, you know, Kyler was in the 92nd percentile in terms of passing, you know, points per possession and McClung was 93rd. So I think McClung's going to help out in in that sense, give Kyler a Mm -hmm. break in terms of being having to be like the half court creator when the time is running down on the clock last year, they were looking for Kyler. I know yeah. we have Ramsey who's going to be a, a, a draft pick, but everybody's like, Oh my, you know, clock's going down. Where's Kyler Edwards. Uh, and I yeah. think it's hard to be that guy night in and night out for a lot of possessions. Um, yeah, Max definitely going to help with that too. So, one uh, thing that, that a lot ahead. of people look at from terms of like, shooting ability is, is pull-up jumpers and it's a it's a difficult it's a high difficulty shot uh, and just from historically being able to shoot pull-up jumpers well translates to shooting all shots well free throws and threes and uh, we weren't that good at that last year we didn't you know uh, Ramsey was Ramsey and Moretti were our best Kyler was not very good uh, McClung shot a ton almost four per game uh, Ramsey shot the most for us at three per game, uh, but McClung was in the 60th percentile, which is much, much better than any, anybody we had last year. So I, yeah. I think the guy can shoot a little bit. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Matt McClung. Yeah, and I think Beard said that this team's going to have an opportunity to be one of the best offensive teams that he's had so far. We're used to the stout defense, but another guy we wanted to bring up and, you know, there's a, there's a handful of these transfers to go through each one of them, but one that might not play Jamarius Burton just might take a week, a year off still. And uh, that was his decision. And then, you know, he put in for his waiver, received his waiver, but then Matt got his. So um, Jamarius Burton, Hunter, what do you uh, see about like, him real quick? Sorry before Hunter answers, but it sounds like he's going to play. Do you think he's going to play? What- that's what, yeah. I don't, that's what that the it seems like everything is trending in that direction. Did I miss something? A level, I think Level said it a few times that like not only will he play, but he may start. Really? Yeah. Interesting. See, so I, I like I hearing this news. I don't want to steal Hunter's <laughs> thunder, but no, no, no you're team. good. I'm glad y'all said something because well, I, I I still think he should. Say, I mean, that's well, just my opinion, y'all were but. talking about pick and roll. Uh-huh. You know, and before I knew he was going to sit out, I wrote something about him that I was going to say for basketball season. He's good in the pick and roll. Exactly. Um, and so, sorry, I'll let Hunter take it from there. Yeah. Now, well, so I think, yeah, we, everything Beard does, there's a reason for it. He's not just like, um, I mean, literally everything he does. And so when we came out just so vocally, when we got Burton, oh, he's going to sit out. He's going to sit out. He wants to sit out. 
you know, at the time we have a lot of irons in the fire in terms of guys we're trying to add to the team. And there also wasn't the rule about this being a, a free year to where redshirting, it really doesn't even matter. I mean, um, you get your, you get this year back anyways. And so now that we're the season's here, it doesn't count. We're not still trying to recruit other guys. Um, you know, there, there may have been some gamesmanship there. I, I don't know, maybe not, but um, I've always thought if he could help us win games that he was going to play. And, and like you said, level has said a couple times recently that uh, he's expecting him to play. He thinks he's going to help us win games. He's um, you know, he's older. He's also, he's a big dude. And he's um, for a, a guard. He's like very, very physical. Uh, and he's got, yeah, he had 11 offensive putbacks last year, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for a point guard, that is a lot. Uh, so he can, he's got some, you know, kind of physical strength or athleticism that allows him to, to get rebounds and, and put them back. Um, he, and this is a common thing you're going to hear about our transfers. Pretty much every single one we got was the most used player at the, on their team. And that's kind of like when I'm looking at a player, that's the first thing I look at. I don't want to, I don't care how well they've shot. I don't care. I don't care about anything other than were they used a lot and did they take a lot of shots? Because D1 basketball coaches tend to know a thing or two about basketball and division one basketball players tend to know a little bit about the capabilities of their teammates. And so if you've got somebody who's taking the most shots on the team, it indicates number one, the head coach wants them to be doing that because he thinks they're the best scorer. And then number two, that their teammates think that this guy is their best score. Otherwise they wouldn't be passing to him. Uh, and so Burton, like many of our other transfers, uh, he played the highest percentage of minutes uh, among anybody at West at Wichita State against the top 100 teams. So kind of taking out the uh, garbage time. Um, he was from like an on off standpoint. He was, tw I mean, Wichita State was almost 20 points better with him on the court than off of it which is incredible. Um, like you said, pick and roll ball handler. He, he's physical. He kind of is like that uh, kind of with Kyler. Kyler is like real slow uh, in, in terms of the way he like comes off the pick and makes a decision. He's similar in that regard. Uh, he was the 93rd percentile passer out of the pick and roll last year. And Wichita State was not that. It's not like they had all these guys around him. Um, one thing that's odd with him is he's got kind of a, a weird jump shot. Um, but it's effective. I mean, he didn't take many, many last year. Uh, he, I think he only had 24 catch and shoot field goal attempts, which is like, in a in the Beard's motion offense that, that's like you only played like 30 minutes the whole season. Yeah. I mean, anybody if you're on the floor, you're going to be getting some of these attempts. Uh, he was in the 96th percentile in Division One basketball and sh shooting percentage on these on these shots. So. Super small sample size, but if he's as good of, of shooting, good at shooting as those numbers suggest, he's probably going to have some open looks here for, for yeah. us. He reminds uh, me of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, it, yeah, it's nice. a similar build. Yeah, um, just tough. Another thing that you know Beard really covets that we struggled with last year, he shot over fifty percent at the rim last year versus top one hundred teams, which would blow out of the water anybody we had from a guard standpoint on last year's team. Um, he assisted 57 made three-pointers, which was like 15 more than his next closest teammate. So he's, uh, you know, he's looking to create good opportunities, which are open three-pointers. Uh, yeah. 
it's going to be interesting because I think he's going to be able to help us. He's big. He probably plays good defense because yeah. of how big he is. Um, you know, having big guards and beard system is important because they get switched off and they're often guarding big guys and they're often having to box out big guys. And that's why you kind of see like Brandon Francis and Kyler playing a lot on the last, you know, on some of these teams because they're big bodies. Yeah. I think he'll be, he'll be similar, similar to those guys. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah. And I thought it, I always thought it was weird that he wanted to take the year off. Like he just seemed like a guy who could play and it was just like, why not play? I, I always just kind of, but like you said, there may have been more going on than, than we know about. Yeah. Um, so let's look, let's look at the next guy, next transfer just here on the list. And he's the one that's just like penciled in starter, no matter what Marcus Santos Silva. And I'm excited, like, watching him. His I only really watched his highlights, but at VCU, I mean, he's, like, just what this team needed last yep. year to me. Yeah. I, I probably – I would, you know, say maybe the most important player. He's a big dude, and he's a – you know, he's a load – he's a really good athlete. He's kind of like that like quick twitch type athlete. But he's – he's undersized. He's, like, 6'7", maybe. But, yeah, 6'7", um, 245. And so – I, I tried to filter in, filter like guys that fit his style. It's very unique. So you've got somebody who's six eight or shorter, who's a elite offensive rebounder, defensive rebounder, very little assists. So they're not passing Montre- the ball. Montrez Harrell. They <laughs> they um, have a high block percentage. They're unbelievable shooting two pointers. Terrible free throw shooters terrible being under 65 percent and they take a lot of two-point shots and so I I whittled it down to four players and this is going back to I think 2009 um, Dewan Blair, Kenneth Fareed, Rico Gathers, and Marcos Santos Silva. So those are the four guys that can that fit within these parameters out of every basketball player that's played since 2009 and there's you know two of these guys have had Pretty, pretty good NBA careers, and one of them, Rico Gathers, was a force. I think he played for the Cowboys or something. Yes. So these are all like – I get what it tells yeah. me is <laughs> for you to be able to impact a college game as, as much as these guys have while being that short and while being that bad of a shooter, and I'm not saying that as a negative in, in this sense, uh, more of a positive because it highlights how much of an impact you can have, right? If you can't shoot the ball and you're short – you can't pass the ball. You, you, you probably you've got to be really, really good in other areas, and that's that's where Mark, you know, he fits in with these guys. So think of if you're, you know, he he can have that kind of effect. And like you said, there is maybe not a better piece to add, or some you know something that we needed last year was, was this kind of player. He's lefty, and I you know going back to the pickup game analogy, like if you've played a lot of pickup basketball you've played against Marcus Santos Silva. And I'm saying that in the sense of kind of the chubby guy who's in the post, who's, a, you know, he's left-handed and he can just finish over anybody. It doesn't matter how tall they are. He's got all these crafty post moves, pump fakes. He can get to the rim. Um, and that that's watching him play. That's what you're seeing. He's, um, he was incredibly efficient in the half court, which is what, you know, tech operates in with a major volume. I mean, he, he accounted for the largest share of possessions on VCU's team. So, again, we're talking about the best player on their team. Um, against top 150 teams, 
VCU was 18 points better with him on the floor per 100 possessions than with him off. So huge impact for Mm -hmm. them. Um, Another difference maker for for the Red Raiders. He did not shoot jump shots. Telling you, like 96% of his of his shot attempts were post-ups or drives to the basket. Uh, And if there's just like certain areas around the basket, it does not matter who's guarding him. If he catches the ball in that area, it's two points. It's a foul or or it's two points because you can't block his shot and he's got all these moves. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, we lost a lot of, a lot of uh, two point baskets. I think Yeah, we we lost 287 of our, of our total half court shot attempts around the basket. So not transition stuff, but within the half court shots around the basket, we lost over half of our attempts, 287. And he attempted 250 by himself last year. So out of all the guys, you know, Holyfield, Clark, Ramsey, Moretti, uh, whoever else we lost last year, Santos Silva's basically just can replace all of them himself in terms of these shots around the basket. Um, what's interesting, you know, for us, though, is Beard – uh, we haven't had, since we've had beard, we have not had a, a guy in the post that we like run offense through. And yeah. you, know, you think about like Norrence's first year with Tubby Smith, he was like our offense. We, you know, he, we, we ran offense through the post and it was never like that for Norrence, you know, at, uh, with beard. Uh, and so it'll be interesting because now beard's got somebody that he's going to be using that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, only five teams in the country played through the post less often than Tech. And they were the teams who you would expect. It was like Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska, Musselman at Arkansas, Nate Oates at Alabama, who was the Buffalo coach when we um, beat him by 1,000. Uh, and then there's Tech. You know, so we're running this kind of an NBA-style offense where, we're not, where we have not been going through the post very often. And then we add – this guy who's incredibly efficient scoring in the post, it's just going to be interesting to see how we use him. He's got though for beard, you know, bigs have a hard time staying on the floor for beard. And other than Tariq, you know, it, it takes a special kind of like athlete to, to fit within our defensive system. And I, I think uh, Marcus can do that because he's, he's a good enough athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it'll be, you know, one ahead, thing I think, yeah. Uh, one thing about with Beard, I think he's he looks at some of these teams like North Carolina, Michigan State, and they they do it's called a rim run. You know, as soon as they get the ball, a defensive rebound, their big sprints to the other basket, and because they are so athletic, these these blue blood teams, their bigs are can beat the other team's big down the basket down the court, and so they throw the ball to him, and it's basically two points because no nobody can 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 get in front of this guy. And it's almost like the primary, the first, um, like, offense for some of these teams, like North Carolina, Michigan State. And, I, you know, I think he wants to do that with us. You know, you'll see us, like, get the rebound, sprint down the court. If, if Marcus beats the other big down the court, we're throwing it into him immediately. Uh, yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see that. But, I'm, you know, he's probably our most important player. Going to the last one here, another big a guy that a lot of people are excited to see, Joel and Tomboy. So, so Joel's one of the strangest like shooting profiles that I've seen that I've ever seen, and uh, I, I want I always look at like when are guys taking their shots? Are mm-hmm. they taking them really really early in the clock, indicating like transition easy stuff? Are they taking them really late, indicating harder shots? Uh, Tomboy has he took two hundred ninety shots his freshman year 
at UNLV, which is just insane for, for a freshman. That's a lot. Um, it was the ninth highest shot rate in the Mountain West. So only eight guys were more likely to take a shot than, than he was when they got the ball. Um, Culver took 320 as a freshman for, as a comparison. So we're talking about the sixth overall pick. He took 30 more shots than, than Tomboy. Um, with, with Tomboy, you know, only basically 80% of his shots came in the middle 10 seconds of the shot clock, which can indicate to me at least that number one, he's not getting the benefit of a bunch of trash buckets early in transition. And, and then number two, he's able to create a shot relatively easy for himself because those are the guys that kind of operate in the middle of the clock. Um, there, he can he can get his shot up very easily whenever he wants to, uh, and that's kind of what the what the numbers indicate. Um, he took 40 more two point jump shots than the next closest guy on UNLV as a freshman, and that's you know generally the best player on the team is the one who's doing that. Like Culver was our leading two point shot guy the year before it was Keenan. Um, and what's, you know, I don't think he's not a bruiser. Like he, he's not taking yeah. shots around the rim, which is odd. Uh, only one out of, of his six shots were around the rim. So he's not this like traditional back to the basket guy. He's, he's big. He's like, he's like six, nine or six ten wingspan. Um, but he's a, he's a shot maker. Like this guy, he was 36 of 89 in catch and shoot attempts, which was 82nd percentile in the nation. So we're talking about a true freshman six foot nine guy who's one of the top 10 to 15 percent shooters in the country and it's somebody who can create a shot whenever he wants because he's not doing it rushed he's not doing it early he's doing it in the, in the middle part of the clock you're just you're not just gonna you're just not gonna find guys that are like that yeah defensively he was he graded out pretty poorly but we'll you know mark adams what's also interesting he's he's gonna turn 22 this year so he's a sophomore he's 22 years old somehow um when we went to the Bahamas in the summer, he went to the Nike kind of skills camp and he was listed as the 12th best college player in attendance. Like last year, you know, there were like Azabuki, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, that Agbaji guy from Kansas. Those are the guys that are there. Tomboy is one of the, one of the best players at the camp. So, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think there's going to be nights where he's the best player on the floor. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, that, he's one that I can't get a good read on just because I feel like, you know, we, we had such high expectations for him last year and then he never actually got to get on the court. And then it was during the offseason, is he even going to play for us at all? Was all that mm -hmm. for nothing? And now he's almost like the forgotten man with the transfers because, you know, the rest have just – he's just kind of – he's been here too long. You know, it's just we, – we know we, we're interested in the new toys. He was here last year, you know. Um, but, but that was helpful. And so I know you also want to talk about um, just kind of go through the roster. So I'm going to give you a choice. You want two minutes? I'm going to put you on the clock. So we, it. Make it, we, we can make it We can make it through the roster and then get to the, the mailbag questions. So is two minutes enough time or do you want me to give you some more? Y'all just – whoever you want to hear about, just name them. Well, no, I mean, we'll I, want hear, I, want to, I mean, I want to hear what you have to say on, the, on all the if, guys. Uh, if you the do freshman? want a player, though, if you do want a player, though, uh, Ogbo. So I both, you know, he's he because he played Under Armour. I don't have as much as like the EYBL mm -hmm. freshman we have, like Namari and uh, PD. But I mean, he was a very efficient shooter. I mean, Agbo is large. He's a large dude from like a height standpoint, but also just like physically, he, he appears to be 
rather big and uh, he can he can shoot he can he is you know with his size it's really he's kind of open at all times uh, so I, I think within the freshman his his particular skill set which is being big and being able to shoot uh, he's got a chance of playing a lot I think because if he can be like if he can defend in the post and kind of be a small ball five situational guy and make jump shots uh, he's going to have a role you know on the team for period yeah. because that's a, it's really hard to defend teams when if, if Agbo is going to be our post guy because yeah. you've got to guard him out there so it's going to be tough to match up with him um, I'm, I'm excited to you know Chris Level at times has said he might be the best freshman in, yeah. in terms of future potential that we have and you, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to actually bring up Namari since we're already on the subject of the freshman Namari and and Micah just uh, your first thoughts on them and how they're playing behind a veteran team now they can learn a lot from yeah and Namari freakish length right so he's uh-huh. he was at that same Nike camp Tomboy was at he had a six nine and a half wingspan this is a guard it's just insane he it was the biggest height to wingspan differential of any prospect that was there so from you know, take his wingspan, subtract his height. He he was the long, you know, he was the most long from compared to what he should be than anybody there. Um, he could shoot. I mean, he he had. Um, there's a reason why he's a top 35, you know, kind of NBA draft prospect. Um, there were only 28 guys in EYBL that had over 250 half court possessions. We had two of them, PV and and Burnett. Every single one of these guys are elite prospects. I mean, these are they're all going to play in the NBA. Um, Namari was top 10 in points per possession. He was eighth in field goal percentage. This is the, the best of the best, the highest volume guys. He was one of the top 10. Um, he was top 10 in half court jump shots. He was, I mean, he's just got kind of like that elite shot maker type potential, um, at least based on how he played in, in AAU. And then PV again, top 30 high school recruit for a reason. He's, I think he's got just like elite kind of like athleticism, motor combo potential, just, um, and he's kind of an interesting game because he's, he's a mid range type guy. He's kind of old school in that sense. Uh, he's got, you know, some, some moves in in the mid range. It'll be interesting if he can factor in on offense, because we've got a lot of options. We're going to be really, really hard to stop because when PD's on the floor, there's just no way that a top defender is going to be matched up on him. I mean, he's going to be getting like their third or fourth yeah. type guy. So, uh, yeah, it'll be – those guys, it's going to be hard for them to get on the floor, but we'll see. I got, uh, I got one, one more question, two more guys to ask you before we get to the mailbag. Um, Terrence Shannon, can he make like a Culver-like soft, freshman to sophomore jump and be like top ten pick in the draft? And then Tyreek Smith, for some reason, I think he is awesome and has potential to be awesome. Just his, the way he plays above the rim. Like, I think we could have used him last year if he could have been healthy. Um, but yeah, those two guys can Terrence Shannon make a sophomore jump. And what do you think about Tyreek Smith? So Shannon, I'm not sure if we're talking a top 10 pick jump, but I mean, he's already like a top 60 type NBA draft pick for this year or somebody that is on some some boards i think he's got like that an elite first step it's like long it's fast he's explosive he's left-handed it's just kind of awkward crafty finishes um 
yeah, again, he's going to be a guy that's going to be drawing a weaker defender at times, I think. But at the same time, last year in Kentucky, late in the game, DePaul, when we needed a basket, we were giving the ball to Shannon. You know, Shannon was driving to the basket. And that's so um, to answer your question, I think he absolutely can be a top 30 pick and be gone after this year. I think that is certainly possible. And I'm going to plead the fifth on Tyreek. I have not seen enough on him. He didn't play much in the Bahamas. It's going to, I personally think it's going to be really hard for him to carve out a role on this team. And some, some, that, some of that will depend on can and Tomway be a big and bang with guys and how good is Agbo? Um, because if they can't, then there will be an op- opportunity for him. But I don't know much about him. Yeah, yeah, and that's understandable. I mean, like you said, he didn't play much, and then he hurt his foot, and so we just had. I just, I just remember seeing some highlights and of of him in high school, and then you know the tech social media, basketball social media has put up him just flying out of the gym in some of their clips. So I was just curious. Um, all right, so any any other last thoughts before we go to uh, on the roster before we go to the mailbag? Do we really only have five minutes? Uh, well, well, I'll figure we'll start another Zoom session before we go to the mailbag. Well, if we have a little bit of time, I think it's – one thing I want to discuss, I think this it's unfair <laughs> Tech's offense uh, and Beard's kind of the offense he runs. It's my impression that he's kind of like the offensive coordinator while Adams is a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, and the defense gets a ton of publicity, rightfully so. But the Tech, Texas Tech basketball has been pretty good, and it's because we – are really, really good on offense. Um, you know, last year, only Kansas had a higher per possession scoring percent, you know, per possession scoring. Uh, the year before that, only Iowa State did. Um, back-to-back years now in the conference, Tech has the highest effective field goal percentage. I mean, we, essentially, we're, we have been the best offense or, or the second best offense for the last two years in the Big 12, which is unheard of historically for Tech. I mean, completely unheard of. Um, the final four team that, like, you know, that last run they had the last couple months, nobody was shooting as, as good as we were from threes anywhere. It, it wasn't even close. So, I mean, so like, it's kind of like, why are we so good? Well, we have really good shooters and Beard is finding a way to get these guys open shots. And that's, it's kind of been the theme the last two years. And I think it'll, you know, he's got a lot of tools now. We're talking about someone who's, who has you know, put out, the best or the second best offense in the big 12. It's, it's going to be, I'm interested to see what our offense looks like because, you know, it might not get a lot of publicity, but it's something that I promise people are worried about. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. That's it for the offense. Okay. Uh, So anything else before we move to the mailbag? Unless, no, unless you want to talk about, no, I mean, we've got <laughs> Kyler Edwards. I think he's going to play the most of anybody on the team. Yeah, I agree. I'm not I don't and, feel great about it, but if I had to pick someone, I think he's going to yeah. play the highest percentage of minutes. Yeah. Kevin McCuller was, um, was basically you know, created in a lab in Russia where they develop players who are perfect for Beard's system. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to play a lot. Yes. Uh, I think he was the best player on our team last year in the last maybe month of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if he can if he can hit shots consistently, I don't see how you keep him off the floor. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good transition too because that was actually a mailbag question: who will lead us in minutes, and why is it Kevin McCuller? <laughs> there we go. But, um, so yeah, let's let's uh, take a break here, and uh, 
not a real break, but we got to set up a new Zoom session and then we will get to the mailbag. All right, to the mailbag. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up, it's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more and you gotta get it out, but the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. And then the barcode reader breaks and it's published, it's clearing out. First question, and we're gonna do this kind of rapid fire. I'm gonna go, then Brandon's gonna go, then Hunter's gonna go, and we'll knock out as many of these as we can. All right, so first question. And if you have, sorry, one last thing. If you have a problem with the uh, questions that we picked, blame Hunter. He picked them. So uh, now that that's out of the way. And you have problems is, with opinions, don't, uh, don't say anything. Yeah. you got, Keep them to yourselves. Yeah, keep them to yourself. <laughs> All right. Number one, what is the number one must-see game this season? Um, I'm going – I assume this was in Lubbock. I don't know why, but I'm going to go with Tech versus Oklahoma State because – uh, I want to see how Beard defends Cade Cunningham, who's apparently like one of the best NBA prospects in a, in a few years, uh, probably since like the Luka draft. So that's that's the one I'd pick. Interesting choice. I didn't think you'd go there. Kind of threw a curveball at me. Uh, January 16th, Saturday against Baylor. Yeah, that was my second choice. Yeah, and then my, sec- my second choice was Kansas. But uh, Hunter, what do you think? This may not make people feel good. I'm going to go with Houston because it's, number one, they're good. And then, number two, there's a non-zero chance that's the only time you see us play anybody with a pulse, right, if the season gets in jeopardy. So, yeah, I'll go with Houston. (laughs) Wow, thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next one. Who is the leading scorer? I had such a hard time with this one. Uh, I wanted to go Kyler, but I just think there's so many guys – at that spot and just going off what I've heard from guys who know I'm going to go Joel and Tomboy just because I think that's what he does I think he scores wow I'm going Kyler I was going I was thinking either him or Mac uh McClung by the way yep I think I would do McClung um if I was betting on it I would maybe do like I would think maybe Namari has like a has long shot odds or longer shot odds and I I maybe pick him but yeah in terms of most likely, I, I would do McClung, but it's it's tough. Yeah. Uh, who is the best defender? And then who will be our most valuable defender? Uh, I'm going to go with the best defender is McCullough, Kev McCullough, just because I think he's the most versatile. And then most valuable, I think, is going to be uh, Marco Santos Silva, just being tough inside. I like both those answers. I was going to pick Kevin McCullough for both, but um... – I, I, I think I agree with you with Marcus Santos Silver there. Same answer. Kevin, the best. McCuller, most important. MSS, Santos Silva. There we go. We must be right. We all agreed. Um, who is the most likely future NBA player slash highest draft pick? This one was tough, too, because those freshmen are just so much – they're so unknown. Uh, like, hey, Taylor, and we're talking, like, overall, right? Like, yeah, not just not, this year. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Right. Because to me, like if Terrence has like a, you know, a Culver like jump. Yeah. And, and to me, this is hard too, because the 21 draft is really good, you know? And so it's, it's some guys might stay because I don't know how the 22 draft is. Anyway, that's, that's weeds. Um, I'm going to say Shannon. 
I think he's he's the wing. He could be the three and D guy that every NBA team looks for. So that's my answer. I'm gonna go uh, Burnett. It, so to me, these are kind of two different questions. It's like who's the most likely future NBA player? Who's the highest draft pick for? Uh, sure. For highest draft pick, I'll go Namari. It's kind of a just because I see him up at the top of some of these draft boards already. Uh, for most like you know most likely to have a future and long NBA career, I think I do Shannon. I, I think he might have the highest ceiling of all of them. He's just very very large, and he if he can get a, a good jump shot, he can play a long time. But I wouldn't count out. Yeah, I would, PV to me has some yeah. potential for both of those answers too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's tough, like I said, because those freshmen are just. Who knows with a lot of them, we just, they kind of got lost in the quarantine and COVID and all that, but they're, I mean, Namari is going to be, or he would have been a McDonald's all American, right? Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Um, how many NBA caliber players do we have on the roster? It's the first question. And then how many will leave for the NBA after this year? Uh, this one was tough because you look through the roster and you think like, yeah, that guy could probably play. That guy could probably play. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it realistically, you know, Tech hasn't had, like, that many guys play in the NBA. Um, and so, to me, I mean, you're looking at – I could see – oh, Namari, Buzo, um, PV. I could see all the freshmen playing just because they have the skills that NBA evaluators seem to look for, long, can score, um, and then Shannon. So, I mean, I'm going to go – four seems ridiculous – um so it's like but that's going to be my answer four and then how many guys leave zero to two (laughs) i don't know (laughs) just kind of guessing yeah i'm going to answer that last one first i'm going to say zero to two as well but uh looking at it i kind of want to do say four i'm just i I mean i I don't know about mac mcclung can be an nba kind of guy but just a draft pick kind of guy because that was the question right who nba caliber players? players yeah yeah, yeah, four is a little stretch, but I think those young guys, I mean, just for us saying that says a lot about the talent that you're bringing in, the two freshmen and then uh, – or the three freshmen, excuse me, and then, um, you know, Terrence Shannon Jr. And I, I don't know, but I think Mac McClung might have a might have a good shot as well. Yes, yeah, so NBA caliber kind of – you can interpret that. However, I, I was kind of thinking of it like two-way contract type uh, potential. So not like, like full-fledged – yeah, but um, – you know, your Norris and Tariq. So I've got mm-hmm. six names, and I think yeah. it was hard to keep people out, the freshmen. And then I did Tomway, um, McClung, and Shannon. But uh, McCullers is in there, I think. Kyler Edwards is, has potential, two-way yeah. potential. I mean, he's yeah. going gonna to be one of the most, like, accomplished tech basketball players ever when, when <laughs> yeah. he's done. Yes. Uh, and then uh, leave after this – I said it at – over under at one and a half. So yeah. that's kind of kind of what y'all were saying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, is Baylor really that good? Um, and then at least one team above us is going to be overrated. So is Baylor really that good? I, you have to say yes, because I didn't think they were that good last year and they beat us and they beat everybody else. Um, they just get it done. And then no matter how bad uh, – crap, I'm blanking on their coach's name – uh Not drew. Not drew yes how bad drew can pick out a suit that fits i guess that yep. doesn't matter uh but anyway uh 
and then which team is going to be overrated above us? That's just going to be Texas until the end of time. Until proven otherwise, <laughs> Texas is going to be overrated. So those, those are my answers. I, I, uh, I think Baylor's not that good, but obviously Taylor brought up some good points. But um, I think Texas, yes, Texas will always be overrated. I don't think Kansas will be as good as people think they will be this year. Same on Kansas. I, or if I was going to pick someone that I, you know, most likely to be underrated, number one, they're highly rated, so there's a yeah. lot of room for them to be underrated. But and also, they don't have. There's not like your typical Kansas from like a big standpoint. Like it's David McCormick, and the other big is kind of like a, a Jeff, a guy we wanted and and visit got to visit. Mm-hmm. We were kind of in on him late. I think Jethro Muscadine is yeah. really skinny. No Azabuki last year. Um, they lost like DeSouza, I'm sure, you know, um, but so Kansas for most likely to be underrated. Baylor, I think they're really good person, but I'm also, I'll admit I'm blinded by my, I have a love affair with Mark Vidal. I think he's like just one of the most <laughs> dominant players I've ever seen in the big yes. 12. Yeah. And especially when you consider the fact he like, I'm a better shooter than him, which is, <laughs> I'm not a very good shooter, but it just shows you how much of an athlete he is but yeah then you got they have three like all conference guards i mean yeah. jared butler is player of the year preseason they've got uh, teague that davion mitchell they're like elite kind of like point of attack defense like def- perimeter defenders so why did none of those guys leave that's all i wanted <laughs> yeah so we got three all conference guards we got uh, who someone who i think is the best athlete in the conference mark vital They've got um, – they still have Tristan Clark. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was like the best player on their team. Yeah. They have that long-haired white guy, Matthew Mayer, who everybody hates. He's yeah. – he can shoot. The guy hates is tall. Good reason. He can shoot. They've got a like a seven-footer incoming freshman who's apparently pretty good. They've got a UNLV transfer who's kind of like a the defensive version of Tomboy, like really versatile, like defensively. He's got like 14 names, which typically indicates athleticism from my experience. Um, they've got another like six, eight freshman who's good. They got a transfer from like played a lot and a shooter from the Ivy league or Presbyterian. I mean, I think they're going to be pretty good. They also stole our defense. So they are running the best defensive scheme imaginable yeah. and they stole it from us and they have really good personnel, although not as good last, as last year, but without Gillespie, but they right. still have really good personnel to run it. Yeah. Yeah, which sucks. Um, so anyway, uh, name your starting five, and then name your crunch time five. Uh, starting five: Santos Silva, Kyler, Shannon, McCuller, McClum. Um, and then the only difference between my starting five and my crunch time five is I think you might want to have just one of Shannon and McCuller out there and put Burton on as another ball handler. Um, and then this is matchup dependent, and and I obviously don't have any of the freshmen in there and it wouldn't shock me if any of them are in there it's just which is a terrible way to answer this question but that's what i'm going with i totally agree with your crunch time i feel like joel and tomboy will start not kevin mcculler i think you could go and tomboy santo silva where they go i'm looking at the roster here um shannon and mcclung and then kyler edwards starting five i get and i'm i'm looking at this as opening day because i'm I uh-huh. might have a different answer if we're talking about, like, first conference game. But opening day, I would guess Kyler, McClung, Santos Silva, Namari, and Tomboy. And then um, crunch time five. I'm kind of answering this as, like, the last game of the season, tie game, two minutes left, who's on the floor. 
Kyler, Santo Silva, Shannon, Kevin McCuller, Burton. So playing yeah. small. And then, but this question, I think this was asked by a guy from Marfa on Twitter who like mm-hmm. humble bragged in his question that he'd uh, been to a couple practices already. Wow. So I think he should probably be answering some of these. <laughs> I was about to say, he should have given his answer. Uh, okay. So how many players are in the deep conference rotation, assuming all are healthy? This was tough because you look at guys like I'm a huge Neldoni fan. He's not going to play. And then Benson had some huge games last year. Where does he get on the floor? You know, Vlad. I his name. That's crazy. Yeah, Vlad, does he play? You know, so – and and then you, you – so that's still 11 guys. You would think 8 to 10 would probably be the number just because I know Beard likes to rotate. But I don't – I mean, it's impossible to say at this point. See, I think Avery sees the court just because of the energy that he brings at some times. And you're probably going to need that because of how you're going to be running with the – way smaller crowd than you're used to and uh just kind of being that kind of guy but i see him playing i see i see nadoni kind of getting a few minutes i don't think vlad plays um other than that i mean i feel like you could see everybody yeah i think you know beard likes versatile players offensive offensively and defensively and i think uh you know he's a versatile coach too if you like the final four team we play like six or seven guys you know a whole game we're perfectly fine doing that and whereas our elite eight team, we would play a lot and we'd had a lot of depth. And then if you look like going back, I've looked down, you know, down the line at like his little rock team. And then he had one team at uh, Angelo that was, he was stacked. Like he brought in a, like 25 transfers or something. <laughs> and, you know, those teams, he played a lot of guys like at little rock. You could off, you would often see, you know, 10 guys playing like at least 10 minutes in, in a conference game, which yeah. is never really, done to that extent at tech except for maybe that uh elite 18 so just because i think we will have a lot of guys that can impact a big 12 game i think i'll guess 10 but if if we only have seven he's not going to play guys that just to play him right. you know, if we yeah. only have seven guys that can that can impact the game he'll only he'll play seven yeah yep i trust him to handle it who is knocking down – oh, wait, sorry, skip one. Name the player who you think could improve the most as the season goes on. I'm going to go with a freshman, and I'm going with Burnett just because I think he has the highest ceiling. So I think he can improve the most. I'm going to go Terrence Shannon, Jr. Yeah, that's a good one. I'd probably – probably the best answer. I don't think I answered – or I was – I might have been thinking about this as, like, biggest surprise because I, I was thinking, like, Agbo or Burton. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of like Shannon just in terms of he's got a chance. We've got, and we've said this a lot, but he's, he's got a chance to be like the best player on the floor a lot, I think. Yeah. yeah. He was last year at times. Yeah. Uh, uh, who is knocking down a three to win the game? I mean, it's Kyler to me. He, he's shown he can take big shots. I mean, he, nobody got me more fired up in that final four run than him just coming in off the bench and yep. having zero fear, just Sam Cassell, Jeff up and down the court. So uh, give me Kyler. I'm going to go Kyler, and it just says one, but Mac McClung maybe because of what, uh, what we heard from Hunter earlier. Yeah, and I kind of – I was thinking McClung, but just – yeah, I had forgotten – the trigger that Kyler had on that final mm-hmm. 14. I mean, that was, he did not, he had no fear. It did not matter where he was, how defended he was, no dribble, face the basket. It was going up and it went in a lot. And you might, I like, you know, 
I think if he's not having to do so much of the heavy lifting within like the half court offense, like he was last year, um, we might see some more of that from, from him. Yeah, he's gonna, he's going to have a lot of energy. He's going to be standing out there, and he's not going to be getting as much attention. And he, he probably he might make a lot of a lot of jump shots. But I'm gonna go with Matt McClung because Matt McClung is an assassin. I'm telling you guys, this guy can this guy can shoot. I hope you're right. That would be awesome. Uh, who's driving to the basket to win the game when it's tied? I'm going Shannon. I think he tried to do it some last year and was successful some last year, and I think he's only going to get better. So I'm going Shannon. Shannon, I still want to go Kyler Edwards here, but I feel like I'm putting too much on this plate. But oh well, Kyler Edwards. Yeah, I like that. I like the Kyler answer. I'm going with Shannon too. Like you said, either think, one of them. You know, in the Kentucky game last year, tie game, we needed a basket to win it. We drew up a play for you know Shannon driving to the basket, and so I mean, I think he could be even better at that this year. I think he's also going to have a maybe less attention this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, this next question is, it's kind of similar to the closing five. So I don't know if mine's any different, but it's who's on the court when we're up one possession with 10 seconds to go. Maybe that's talking about best defense. Yeah. Defensive lineup. Okay. Um, so I'm going Santos Silver, Shannon, McCuller. And then that's kind of where Kyler, and then I guess just matchup dependent after that. But I, I think if you're going best defense, I think Shannon and McCuller are out there. Yes. Shannon McCuller. I'm going to go in Tomboy, Santos Silva, and then uh, what was the last one I'm missing? Kyler, I believe. But I throw in Tomboy out there just based off of his size. Go block a shot. I agree with that. Yeah, the first answer to me. Shannon, Kyler, Santos Silva, McCuller, the locks. And then are they big? You know, maybe the best rebounder that's on the bench. Are they small? Maybe the best perimeter defender. Are they, do they have like, is it Villanova? Yeah, they have like a, just all drivers and shooters, and maybe it's the most versatile guy that's that's left, maybe, which could be like a tomboy. Yeah, uh, how do we match up against Kansas and West Virginia's bigs? I'm more worried about West Virginia's bigs at this yes. point, um, but I I think I don't think we do. You know, I don't think we match up well, and that's just the way we play to the way they play. We're gonna put you know athletes that can do a lot out there, and they're gonna put bigs that can dominate the paint and it's just whose style is going to win that night. And so, I, I mean, I think we're going to be frustrated a lot of times when we play a team like West Virginia. Um, yeah. I think if you're hitting shots, it's great. And if you're not, they're going to win, you know, it's simple as that. Um, I think Santos Silva will help, but one guy isn't going to make a huge difference against the, the, the dudes West Virginia throws out there. Yeah, I'm looking at Kansas and West Virginia since that's what the question's asking about, and I kind of just don't know how to answer it just because we don't know what, what we're going to get out of these guys. I mean, we didn't know what we were going to get out of um, TJ last year and Chris Clark, and it ended up being something that didn't kind of really go your way, I guess. You were kind of expecting a little bit more yeah. from those guys, and what if that happens with these guys, or what if these guys just excel and just jump off the jump off the, the court and just, you know, give these guys the matchup fits. So I really don't know how to, how to answer that one. And then you got Vlad, which I don't think he's going to be a big Russ kind of guy, but we saw big Russ had moments against Kansas against Anzabuki a couple of times. Yeah. So um, I just kind of don't know how to answer that Hunter. Yeah. Kansas, I don't think they have, you know, the big the Azabuki, the Joel yeah. Embiid this year. So um not as not as worried there. Now they still got some big dudes, but for West Virginia, like you said, mm-hmm. this is kind of like answering, you know, 
some SEC team, how are you going to stop Alabama at this year? It's like you, you aren't, right? You're not going to stop them. We, we, nobody's going to be able to really match up with West Virginia. They have two just monsters. One of them is going to be a, a first-round pick. Uh, Culver is a monster in his own right and probably going to get drafted, I would think. They have another f- true freshman who's just an absolute monster. Uh, and he's like 6'10", 270 or something. They got another guy who's like 6'10". He was like a four-star. I think he's kind of more of like a finesse guy, though. But in any event, we don't match up with them. It would ta- We would have to have a completely different roster to even try to match up with them. So we'll just do what we've done in the past with some success. You know, you, we just d- defend like hell on the perimeter and, like, deny the post-entry. Uh, if they get the ball into the, the post, just foul the hell out of them and – that's what we've been doing, and it, it, it's worked to some extent. And then, But really, though, it's kind of like the offensive side to me because if we can play small – if we can make it difficult for them to guard us because we've got Tomboy playing the five or yeah. um, Agbo, um, it's going to be hard for them to have two bigs on the floor at the same time. So sometimes the offense is the best way to keep those guys off the floor. Yep, completely agree. Uh, the Chibuzo Agbo versus Micah PV debate. Yeah, and I'll, I'll preview this one because this is a Twitter one. And it's, uh, I think what he's referring to is these guys, it just seems like when you, if you're counting minutes and that they are in some ways competing for the same role on the right. team, yeah. or there's some give and take there um, in terms of if, if Agbo has some plays well enough to command some 16 minute a game role it's probably going to come at the expense of of, a, of someone like pv so yeah that's just to put some context i got you uh i think it comes down to me is and we mentioned it earlier like who can play that kyler role from two years ago mm-hmm. who can come in fearless make shots you know swing a game if you have to and they may be better than that you know i mean their their recruiting ranking would say that they are yeah even though kyler was pretty big recruit anyway um yeah so you know, we've heard, you know, that Agbo can shoot, you know, and if so, if he can come in and provide spacing and provide a, a guy who can hit three-pointers with relative consistency, you know, that's the guy I think you got to play. But then who says PV can't do that, you know? So, I mean, I don't – I'm not – I don't know enough and haven't seen enough to really settle any kind of debate. But to me, it's going to come down to who can come in and – you know, give you the best offensive punch without giving up something on the defensive end may may get the most minutes. Yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth at the end there because Levels even told us that uh, Ogbo's just been looking tremendous. So I'm really excited to see him, really excited to see Micah. And I feel like, you know, Beer's just going to, like Hunter mentioned earlier, you're just going to play your best players. So, I mean, I don't think there should be any debate there. So... So for yeah, this is to me this is a good that's a good question. Um, if I was betting on it, to, I would think Agbo would maybe have like if the, if the question was who plays more, you know, yeah, I think Agbo would maybe have like better odds. So I would be betting Agbo, and I think it might be fifty. I would maybe even lean towards Agbo just from having a higher chance of playing more minutes. But but I also think it's you know like three or four years from now, PV could very easily be the better player and you look back at like the Justin Gray, Keenan, Zach Smith, Norrence, you know, like Keenan played the least for the most part 
of, of all those guys early on. And it's just, you know, like Gray kind of had a game that tr- translated a little more quick, quicker to D1 basketball. He's just tough and he can rebound. And, but with Ag, so I think Agbo, because of the other pieces, he's got a better chance of, of getting a bit of a role, like a defined role as being a big that can shoot. If he can protect the rim reasonably, if he can def- defend back to the basket post players, if he can rebound and box those kind of guys out and on the other side on offense, stand in the corner and make threes, um, he's going to have a chance to play a lot. Yeah. So I, I would go with Agbo, but PB's a top 35. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the next one is how many players do you think will play more than 10 minutes? And I kind of feel like we already answered that one. Yeah, we did. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to pull one from, from the thread on Red Raider Sports. Uh, what will be our biggest weakness this year? And then outside of Edwards, where, do our, where does our three-point shooting come from? Um, and to me, until I see otherwise, three-point shooting is going to be our biggest weakness. Um, and so, uh, you know, but then we've already outlined in this podcast why that should improve with Agbo and McClung and yes. Burton. Um, so I just need to see it, though. I, I just need to see it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, obviously, like every other team, we're going to have to learn to see how this team's going to play. We can trust what Coach Spears has been telling us, though, that this team has the chance to be the best, best offensive scoring team that he's thrown out there on the floor. So um, we'll see if they can kind of replace that Morrow three-point shooting and, you know, and replace his offensive uh, skills and obviously Jemias as well. So, and I think they can. So, Hunter. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about three-point three, three point shooting. I think Kyler, Tomboy, McClung, Namari, Agbo, that I think we'll be able to find some shooters. And then and Burton. Um, but, and I don't, I don't like this answer. For biggest weakness, I'm, I want to say kind of a, cross between chemistry which i hate that i don't like the squishy yeah. like things uh, but we've got a lot of guys it's going to be hard for us to figure out everyone's roles in time to when things matter pretty early in the That's big 12 and no scrimmage you know no exhibition game and less non-conference and if you want if you look at like beard's teams and i, I want to say he's even said this is like we don't really worry about offense typically for the first couple months of the season. We're playing some of these non-conference teams. We don't really practice it. We're focused on defense. Once we kind of get that squared away, the, you know, that's when we kind of turn our attention. We look like, what are we good at? And, you know, who, who can do things well? And how do we you know, get them doing those things more and doing things we don't do well less? And we don't really, so we may not have that this year. So kind of a combination of figuring out what kind of team we have quick enough be ready to play Kansas and, and some of these big 12 games that are in December. Yeah. Uh, I think that's actually probably the best answer. Um, yep. Who will lead us in minutes and why is it Kevin McCuller? Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually going to say Santos Silva because to me, he's the guy who, who else is doing his role on the roster. And so I think he's just going to have to play more. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say Kyler, but you made a good point, Taylor. I don't know if anybody else could technically replace Marcus. So, yeah, I, I would just cut, you know, go with Kyler. He, he played like 80% of our minutes last year, and I don't think anyone will come close to that. I think uh, it'll be like 70 – they'll just be like a clump of guys, like right at that 70%. Uh, McClung, Kyler, Santos Silva yeah. will be there. 
um, similar to our Elite Eight team where you had a kind of a – Keenan was like the highest, low 70s, yeah. and then there was just a clump right after him. Yeah. All right. Last question. Will the first ever McDonald's All-American for Texas Tech really not be a starter this season? Uh, and we, like I said, we've kind of – or I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's it, As of now, it seems likely – that he won't be a starter, um, yep. but it you know it wouldn't shock me if we were getting into Big Twelve play and then he is. I mean that's the kind of talent that he has. But I mean I don't think he starts the season as the starter. Yeah, no. And I was going to bring up maybe like possibly the six man kind of guy, but I honestly think it's going to be Kevin this year to be the six man. So to see uh, Texas Tech's first ever McDonald's All American not on the floor, um, it's going to be kind of surprising. But uh, I just think the talent for this whole entire team kind of just makes it to where that's probably going to happen. That's probably going to be the most likely outcome. So if you'd asked me this pre-COVID normal season, I would have felt certain Namari would start. And, like, I don't think any coach would ever admit this, but, like, last year uh, about this time, we were about to sign or trying to get Namari's commitment. And we um, opened for, you know, opening day, we have Ramsey and Shannon starting, two freshmen. And I think there's some some coaches that that do things like this before the early signing period. They might play a little differently, like offensively. We were we were very very up tempo, which we were selling, I think, to, to recruits. And we yeah. were selling, you know, look, we play freshmen right away. So if a normal season and we were like in the mix for a bunch of guys on early signing day, I think 100% Namari starting. I think we sold a role a starting role to him during our recruiting pitch. Um, and I, I don't feel as, as certain about that now, but I, I'm, you know, I still lean that he will start to opening day. That I was trying to think <laughs> when we had Shannon, or sorry, no, when we had Keenan and Zaire uh-huh. there, or Keenan, dang it, Culver and Zaire's freshman year, they didn't start the season starting, but by the time like we got to Big 12 play, they were both starters. Am I crazy? No, that's correct. And they okay. also were second and third most minutes you know, play. Right. So it was both of them? It, Zaire was before, what, wasn't he? No, Zaire, yeah. Zaire and Culver, same class. Neither of them started. They played but, quite uh, a bit. But did Zaire kind of make his name known a little bit before Jarrett did? Yeah, to the, just because, right, I, I would say so. He played more than Culver Yeah. that season. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So that, that's something I could see happening just in regards to that question. All right, well, um, I'm sure this won't be the last kind of hoops mailbag we do. No. Nope. So, um, but this was awesome. Hunter, Brandon, thank you all so much. Yeah, no problem. I think uh, Hunter said a lot of good things, but I think one of the things we got to keep in mind is when he, when he was asked about the, the game to pick, to, to the must-see game, uh, that's the first three games of the season. I'm just hoping we can make it to that point. I think that's something yeah. we didn't, really there was didn't a, talk about, you know. And there was a question that we didn't that I didn't pick just because it's kind of depressing. But like, should we push the season back? Yeah. Because and I don't have one reason I don't pick is because I don't know, I have no idea. I mean, I yeah. would just be spouting nonsense if I gave an opinion on COVID or like travel concerns, how much it costs, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But no, apparently that there is some real concern, you know, with the basketball season. Yeah, which would be devastating because I was. This is the most. I think it's the most expectations around a tech team 
in like a big three sport, not including some of our recent baseball teams yeah, that there's ever been. Say, no, baseball we are, last year. We're Ken Palm, we're number six in the nation. Three man weave, we're number eight. From like a betting market standpoint, we're number eight, eighth most likely to win the national championship. I mean, to all, you know, from the, an, un, you know, an objective, independent observer, we have a top eight team. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to say, and it's nice to, nice to look over and actually talk about it. Like, you know, we're going to have a season. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, that's a good place to end it for sure. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get back on here throughout the basketball season, kind of see if uh, they are living up to the expectations. So thanks again, guys. Mind if you ever switch it up yeah.